How's everybody doing? I had a very large cup of coffee this morning, so I'm a little bit wired. Okay? All right. Hey, I am so glad that you're all here today. If you are a guest, thank you for making part of your Sunday morning being with us uh, here at Celebration Center. My name is Nathan Harris. I am the uh, lead pastor here at Celebration Center, and we are excited that you're with us today on this. It started out very stormy, and it looks like the sun's starting to peek out a little bit. So, hey, if you don't like the weather, wait a second. Um, Last week, we began a new series called Generous. You think, oh, snap. He's going to talk about money. Yeah, I actually am going to talk about money. I'm not going to talk about money this week, but that's part of being generous. But there's some other ways that we're talking about generosity. Um, Because here's the deal. Here at at Celebration Center, one of our core values, one of those guiding principles that we want embedded deep within us individually and us as a community is generosity. Generosity is the very heart of the gospel. Okay, and the gospel isn't just that we, when we die, we get to go to heaven, though that's part of the gospel. The whole gospel is that God is on the move, okay? God has brought freedom. He has brought justice. He is bringing hope and peace. He is restoring all things, making them all new, making them as he always intended them to be, and he's doing so through Jesus Christ, and, and a, by extension, because we are, if you're a Christ follower, you're part of Jesus, through us. This is the gospel. The world is being reshaped. It is being recreated into something new. A new day has dawned, and we get to be part of it. We get to be part of giving that away. That is generosity. So we want this generosity to be part of how we do what we do, okay, and to inform what we do as well. So because generosity is at the core of our mission as Christ followers, we want to be generous people in all ways and in all things. As a matter of fact, here's the big idea we're working off of. Generosity is normal. It's normal. It's regular. It's everyday. It's not for some spiritual giants or few or the wealthy only to participate in, okay? You don't have to have a lot of money to be generous. We are the recipients of the greatest gift the world has ever known. We sang about it this morning. You called me out of that grave. Individually, God has, he's brought us life where there was death. Okay, we are the recipients of this incredible gift. And since we have freely received, in other words, we can't manufacture it, we can't earn it, we can't make it happen on our own. Since we have freely received it, now we get to turn around and freely give it. That's our big idea. We now get to freely give. And this comes straight out of the Gospel of Matthew. Okay, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. Jesus is giving instruction to his disciples. He's about to send them out on their very first short-term missions trip. Anybody here ever been on a short-term missions trip, maybe to Mexico or the inner city or some place like that? Yeah, the disciples are about to go out on their very first short-term missions trip, and Jesus is telling them how to go about doing this. Excuse me, I'm going to turn around so you don't see me wiping my nose. Trying to be a little funny. Okay, so... There we go. 
there we go. See, who said church can't be fun? Um, here's what Jesus said. He's telling this to his disciples and he's, he's telling them, don't go to the Gentiles. That means to people who are not Jews. All right, he's sending them specifically to the Jewish people at this point. He says in verse seven, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. He says, listen, God is returning what you have experienced. If, if you go back and you read in, I believe it's in Ezekiel chapter 10 in the Old Testament, it is this very horrific scene that the prophet Ezekiel sees. It is God leaving the temple. Okay, this place where, where God is supposed to dwell, where he's supposed to interact with his people and through his people into the world, God is actually leaving the temple because of, of what Israel has done, what they have engaged in, how they have been unfaithful. All right, so he has symbolically, he's left the temple. He is, he's basically turned his back on his people here. And it's devastating. And all throughout the rest of the Hebrew scriptures, we see this promise that he's going to come back. And Jesus tells them, as you go out, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. God is coming back. Your exile is over. It's done. And then he goes on in verse 8. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And I know that in our, our uh, very materialistic Western culture, we think, wow, that sounds weird. And it does. It sounds odd. It sounds strange. But what you have to understand is in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, whenever God warned the people of Israel about them turning their backs on him, there was all of these consequences that were going to flow out of that, that they would incur on themselves because of their actions. And here's what they were. Where if they were obedient and they, they followed God and they listened to what he said, then God was going to bless them. They would have lots of kids. Their, their land would be prosperous. They would not be attacked by their enemies. Sickness would not overtake them. On the flip side of that, if they didn't obey God, if they didn't remain faithful to him, then they would experience all the opposite of those things. So that's where they have been living for hundreds of years. In the middle of all of this that is anti-blessing. It's, it's actually the curse side of things. Okay? And, and Jesus says, as you go out, heal the sick. He says, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. What he's saying there is that along with the message that you are proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come near, that, 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 that exile is over, prove it through your actions. Bring wholeness to everything around you. My microphone's falling off. Sorry. So that, that's what that, that verse is all about. He says, say it and do it. And then he says this, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Here's the deal. They, the, the disciples experienced the kingdom of heaven coming near to them. They saw it firsthand. We, as Christ followers, anybody in this room who is a Christ follower has experienced the kingdom of heaven coming near. 
experienced God at work in our lives. And what Jesus is saying in this verse is that you turn around and you become a conduit. You become this open pipeline of God's blessing from, from him to you, through you, and out into the world around. And you, you do it freely wherever you go. I used this picture last week, and I want to continue to use it because I think it, it very well demonstrates what it is Jesus is talking about. Um, my daughter, Abigail, a couple Sundays ago, we were down at South Hill Park, and she started immediately playing with these three little boys. We were, my wife and I were watching this. And, and as she's playing with them, she pulls out of her pocket this little roll of Smarties candies, and she just starts passing out candies. To, to her new friends. She wasn't worried about keeping any of them. She just wanted to share with her new friends without being afraid of what was left over for herself. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 10, 7 and 8. That's at the heart of the core value of generosity for us. Sharing what we have been given without worrying about what we don't have or what will be left over for us if we do share. Now last week we talked all about how the way for us to, to be able to engage in this is to understand that we are loved and forgiven. Basically, everything I gave you last week was all about being connected to Jesus. Okay, We have to receive love and forgiveness from him. It's not that we can't kind of do some nice things on our own, but we can't be generous at our core the way God is generous toward us without receiving this from him. Okay, We have to be filled with this. We, we need to understand that we have been forgiven, that we are loved. We need to understand how much we've been given, that God has given us all that we need for life, and godliness. And we need to understand that we are blessed to be a blessing. God doesn't want us to be just a reservoir of his blessing. He wants us to be a through line of his blessing. Okay? So that's the way to begin living this life. We begin the life of generosity by being connected to Jesus and joining him in what he's doing. But what is it that specifically we can be generous with? You ever sit around thinking, man, I, mean, I, I like the sound of this, but how do I do it? What on earth can I actually be generous with? And I think we're, the, for the rest of the series, we're going to be talking about three main categories that we can be generous in and through. These, these three main categories are things that every single person in this room can be generous with and in. We can be, we can, because it's just a matter of sharing what we have, okay? We can share our time, we can share our talents, and we can share our treasure. We can share our time, we can share our, our talents, and we can share our treasure. This morning, we're looking at sharing our time. How many of you feel like you just don't have enough hours in the day? Be honest, raise your hand. Bam, my hand's right up there. Guess what? We all have the exact same 24 hours. You have no fewer hours in your day than anybody else around you. And I don't say that for you to compare yourself. I just want you to know that we're all in the same boat. <laughs> okay? 
It's not, it's not how much we have. It's what we do with what we have. All right? We've all got responsibilities that we need to do, and that's good. We need to do those responsibilities. But we still have ways and areas that we can be generous with our time. So here's our main thing. We are generous with our time when we are present. Think about that for a minute. We are generous with our time when we're present. What does it mean to share our time and how do we go about doing that? The answer is simply that we're present. We're present. Show of hands. Everybody in this room who knows all that there is about everything in the world, raise your hand. Bury my hands a little further in my pockets. Sometimes I like to think I know all there is, but ask my wife, I really don't. <laughs> okay? None of us do. Listen to me. God does not require you to take care of everything. He does not require you to know everything. He doesn't even ask you to solve every single problem there is around you. He simply asks you to join him by sharing what you've got. Just like my daughter did. What have you got in your pockets? What have you got in your pockets? I remember a time I was in high school. Oh, the lessons we learn when we are young. I was in high school, I was a senior, and I was driving my parents' car, um, and uh, as I was exiting the parking lot, I looked out to my left, and I saw this glorious red Toyota pickup truck, and I thought, man, I want that. And I began imagining myself driving this glorious red Toyota pickup truck, 4x4, extended cab. I can still see this thing in my head. All of a sudden, now mind you, I hadn't, I hadn't put the brakes on. All of a sudden, from my right, sitting right directly next to me is, is my, my brother Joel. He was a sophomore at the time. He yells out, look out! And I panic. Directly in front of me is a friend of mine in his pickup truck. But instead of slamming on the brakes to actually stop, I try to swerve. So I didn't hit head or, you know, directly in, but I clipped really bad that, that right headlight. And it munched up my parents' car. All right? The result was damage to my parents' car, to my friend's truck, and I had to pay more in insurance. We've all experienced moments when we haven't been present in our circumstances, haven't we? Or to the people around us, our, in our relationships, in our jobs, with our spouse and kids. And we know what kind of effect that has in those times. But we've also been on the receiving end, right? The receiving end of someone else not being present to us. We know how it feels to be an afterthought 
to people that maybe we're longing to be in close relationship with, or maybe we just need them to sit with us. We don't need them to solve anything. We just need them to sit with us, and they don't have the time. You guys, God has gifted us his presence. He's gifted us his presence. He spent time living with humans, encountering what we encounter, joining in our experiences of joy and pain and suffering. He knows what it's like to be hungry, to be cold, to be thirsty, to need relationship. He knows all of those things. He has experienced them. He's joined with us right where we're at. And here's how it's described. This is John chapter 1. This is the main passage we're looking at this morning. If you have your Bibles, your Bible app, go ahead and open there. John chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 14 through 18. John 1, 14 through 18, I'm reading out of the NIV. It says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John is talking about the second person of the Trinity. He is talking about this, this personage, okay, who has been with God and who is in fact himself God. Okay? And he this person that he calls the word, he says, became flesh. What that means is that he literally changed his mode of existence. He changed his mode of existence. He stepped out of eternity and into time. Now, listen, don't ask me to explain how this happens, that the word can be both God and human completely, because that's what we believe, all right? I don't know, and as we're going to see as we read here, we find out that this word person is, in fact, Jesus. It's none other than Jesus. I don't know how it, it is a mystery to me how he can be both fully human and fully God at the same time. I don't know. All I know is that this is what has happened. Okay? He changed his mode of existence and became a human being. John says he made his dwelling among us. He's using a term there that he's taken straight out of the book of Exodus that talks about the tabernacle. This, is, this was a tent that God uh, told Israel to make, to build, whereas they're wandering through the wilderness and whenever they stopped to camp for any length of time, they were to set up this tent and God would come down and he would stay there in the middle of their camp. He would live with them. And here we see Jesus doing that as he becomes a human. He goes on and says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. In other words, we, this is a reality experience here. This isn't a dream. This isn't a vision. This actually happened. He said, we've touched, we've tasted, we've felt, we've experienced. He came from the Father full of grace and truth. It goes on in verse 15. John, this wild, crazy prophet dude out in the wilderness, testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. All right? So John here, the, the, the author of the book of John, 
is actually, he's, he's adding not only have, have the disciples experienced Jesus, but this is what this, this prophet John was talking about. He goes on in verse 16, he picks back up from where he left off in verse 14. He says, out of his fullness, in other words, out of everything he is and he has, out of his grace and his truth, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, all right? He's not saying that wasn't gracious. He's saying that was very gracious. But he says now we've gotten even more grace because grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, at least to live and tell the tale. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. He's revealed him. He's revealed him. Jesus has shown who God is and what God is like. You want to know what God is like? He's Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. You know what God is like? He is Jesus reaching out and touching the untouchable. You know what God is like? He's Jesus turning over the tables in, in the temple as, as, as they've got everything all wrong. He is revealing who God is and what God is like. God has been generous to us in the time and the effort he has put into relationship with us. We are called to be like him in the same way. You think, well, I'm not God. No, you're not. I already said, we don't have to worry about solving all of the problems. We don't have to worry about taking care of everything there is to take care of. We simply, in our own little way, give what we have. So how do we do that? If you're taking notes, number one on your outline. How do we be present? We are present when we serve others. We are present when we serve others. Just as Jesus came and identified with humanity, leaving his privileges behind for our sake and served us, we are generous with our time by being present to the people around us through service. Simply serving them. Simply being there for them. Now, we're going to talk more about service next week when we talk about being generous with our talents. For this morning, I want us to understand that being generous with our time means we are present to others by serving them for their benefit, which requires us to be focused on others more than on ourselves. It just does. That's hard. Because we live in a society that is all about me. Okay? That's not condemnation. That's just an understanding we have to move beyond that. My wife is really, really good at this. I'm going to brag about her a little bit here. Okay? She's amazing because um, she spends time looking at needs in our family, and then she does something about it. 
She doesn't leave them unmet. She doesn't necessarily fix them completely, but she does what she can. Sometimes it's purchasing something for somebody at the store. Sometimes it's being a listening ear or a calming voice, that confidant, that counselor who comes alongside and says, um, Nathan, you might want to rethink what you're saying there and how you're saying it. Oh, yes, dear. Okay? Sometimes it's just being present. Whatever it is, she's present to the people around her. I've seen her do this over and over and over again. And she does it all without being worried about what she gets out of it for herself. Here's what we're told in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. Verse 42, Jesus called them together. He's calling the disciples and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. In other words, he says, they're in it for themselves. They're in it for themselves. Not so with you, verse 43. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Okay? Jesus says the way that the world does things is that you grab power, you grab influence, you grab money, and you do everything you can to, to keep a hold of it. You stand on top of anybody you have to to grab a hold of that. The, the economics in the kingdom of God is something far different. In the kingdom, to be on top means that you, ever, you actually come beneath you become this slave of all. You have no rights. You give them up. You serve willingly. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to serve, not, he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I had a boss once who, who demonstrated this very well. He, uh, he would jump in. There was no task beneath him. He would jump in if there had been a, a long night or a long day or a long week, I should say, at the church. Um, he would just jump right in, taking out trash, running a, a, a floor mop. Whatever needed to happen, he would jump in. And he would do it. There was nothing too low for him to do. You guys, in order for us to be generous with our time, we need to associate with those around us by serving them without worrying what we get out of it. And we can do this as we're connected to Jesus, getting our life from him, allowing him to shape and mold our view, not only of ourselves, but of the world and the people around us. We are present when we serve others. Number two on your outline, we are present when we pay attention. We're present when we pay attention. I, I mentioned earlier this story about the time I rear-ended my, my friend. Glorious moment in my life. Uh, but I want you to think about a time when you were distracted from circumstances. Maybe that happened 
this last week. Maybe that happened this morning. When you were distracted from your circumstances or, or people around you, what was the result? Was the relationship or the circumstance you were in better or worse on account of your inattention? Now, I'm, not, I'm not trying to slap anybody down. I don't want to, nobody feel guilty. I, this, I, this happens to me, <laughs> okay? What about a time when you were on the receiving end of inattention? What was that like? Part of being generous with our time by being present means we need to pay attention. Paying attention means listening. It means listening to people and circumstances around us and to take time to understand them. Here's what we're told in James 1, 19 through 21. James said, my dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. In other words, human anger, when when we just boil up, when we just go off half-cocked or whatever, that does not produce the life of faith, hope, and love that God is calling us into, that he wants us to live out of. It only brings destruction. Verse 21, therefore, he says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, James was talking specifically uh, about paying attention to and understanding what God wants from us and for us, right? That's what he's talking about specifically. But the principle is the same when we're talking about being generous with our time by being present to people and situations around us. We need to take the time and expend the energy to understand the people and circumstances around us so that we can be with those people and we can be in those circumstances the same way that God is with us. Freely you have received freely give. I recently had a phone conversation with somebody who was constantly talking. And the ironic thing was that when they called, they said, hey, listen, I want to check in with you and see how you were doing. And then they took over the conversation. It's like, oh, okay. And I, and I even tried to, to engage in the conversation. Noises and words were coming out of my mouth and it didn't matter. They just kept talking. A mile a minute, I couldn't get a word in edgewise. And I thought, yeah, you're interested in how I'm doing. Part, you guys, of paying attention is simply shutting our mouths. Okay? We need to disengage our mouths and that part of us that feels like we have to defend ourselves or we have to justify or maybe we hear something that somebody else says or we see something that somebody else does and we think, man, I just got to say something about that. I got to do something about that. I got to make sure that they know that they're wrong. Sometimes we need to disengage that inclination in our heart and in our mind so that we can step back and we can listen. We need to instead ask questions. We need to seek to understand. Our society right now is is 
dying over the fact that all we do in, in the public arena is play this verbal ping pong back and forth. We hear part of what somebody has to say and we're, we're listening to that and we're keying in only on that also that we can blast them with how they're wrong and how it needs to be different. We need to disengage our mouths and we need to come to the table and listen. When we do that, we are demonstrating love for the people around us and we're valuing them as human beings made in the very image of God. We're simply being present to them. We don't have to agree with a word they say. We can still listen. We can still hear. And yes, eventually we need to answer with truth. Jesus came with truth and grace, right? We can, we can answer with truth and in grace, but this is part of the grace part, is that we just listen. We pay attention in order to be generous with our time by being present to other people and circumstances around us. We need to take the time to pay attention to what is going on. What's at the heart of what's happening? We need to be investigators collecting information so we know how, how the people and the situations around us need us to respond. We are present when we pay attention. Number three on your outline, we are present when we pray. We're present when we pray. Everything we do, everything we're concerned about, all of life is ultimately about God and what he is doing. Okay? Why is it so often that we think there's anything that God is less concerned about than we are? I know it's, it's tempting sometimes because we, we see things happening around us and we think, man, why is this happening? This shouldn't be happening. Maybe God doesn't care. And so we, we're, maybe we're tempted to get mad at God or, or whatever. And God can handle all of that. But there's a different way that we're called to live. Here's what we're told by the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about Anything. Anybody here ever experience anxiousness? Man, I am a professional warrior. <laughs> Absolutely, it's a job. And I reap the, the wages of it. Okay? What if? What if? What if I don't perform up to standard over here? What if this other thing doesn't happen over here? What if these people don't do this? What if, what if, what if, what if, and then I don't sleep? Anybody else ever experience anything like that? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests 
to God. Why? Because he cares about it more than you do. He cares about it more than I do. He's God. I'm not. He can carry those things. I can't. Take it to him. Peter, we read this in, in, our, in our previous series that we did. Peter says, cast your cares on the Lord because he, what? Cares for you. One of the things that the enemy wants to tell us is that God doesn't care. The proof that God doesn't care is that your life isn't working out exactly the way you want it to. So you need to grab the reins and you need to do something about it. The, the, the biblical worldview is that God is in the process of making all things new. Sometimes that means we see some really good stuff here and now. Sometimes that means that we got to wait a little bit. But the bottom line is that God is always, 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 always good. It doesn't matter what we're encountering. It doesn't matter what is happening. He is always good. And even, even if I don't see a resolution to what it is that is weighing on me here and now, he is still good. He is making all things new. And eventually, it's, even if I die, he can raise the dead. He's good. He's good. Present by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. Prayer. That intimate family communication we get to experience as we talk to our Father about the needs we have and about the needs in the world around us. The interesting thing is that if we were to continue reading in this passage, Paul, would he, conti- he continues on and, and he says that if, as we do this, then we actually begin to experience in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of mess and mire and everything else, we begin to experience the very peace of God that is in Christ Jesus. We experience him making all things new. It's a little like when one of my kids comes to me and my wife. When something in their world is wrong and out of joint, sometimes we directly intervene for them and and actually change physical circumstances for them. Other times, what we try to do is help them think through. Okay, how can we solve the problem? Because we want them to become mature. And so we we want to help teach them. My wife is really good at this. I'm learning from her. (laughs) But... But we, we try to teach them how to think through issues and things that they are facing so that they can walk in a mature way rather than freak out mode. Okay? You guys, that's how God deals with us. He is leading us and changing us through all as we contend for those around us, as we contend for the circumstances we encounter. In order for us to be generous with our time by presenting or by being present, we must engage in prayer for those around us and the circumstances we encounter. Okay? That's what we need to do. One, I want to have uh, Jeff Melvard and, and um, 
Tim and Priscilla, come on up. We're going we're gonna to do a little interview time here. We're going to talk about some small groups because this, I think, is a really good way for us to practice being present. Where you guys come on over here with Jeff? Yeah, go ahead. Thank you, you guys. This is a great way for us to practice being present is in small groups. It's in community with other people. So uh, we just, Jeff, go ahead. Take it away. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, we had the idea of saying, like, let's, let's see if we can maybe find somebody that's currently in a small group. Instead of hearing from me or Pastor Nathan, just like hearing from people that are just in it now. Uh, so that it might be able to free some people up to be thinking, oh, maybe that could be me. So, uh, so anyways, I'm going to start us off. Um, so, Tim and Priscilla, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us your favorite hobby and maybe how long you've been attending Celebration Center. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Timothy uh, Smith and my wife. Uh, some things... Some hobbies that I enjoy doing is uh, just kind of getting out in the garage and using my hands, working on things, whether it be uh, engines or woodworking. Um, and then as a family, we like to go skating and traveling a lot. Hi, and I'm Priscilla. And I'm pretty much what he says, except for I don't go in the garage. And um, But I do like to cook and bake, and we do a lot of um, hobbies together as a family, like roller skating and um, traveling, road trips, and going places. And we've been here since last February. All right. Those are the stats. A year. Do you guys do roller derby? Oh, okay. <laughs> I just kind of wondered about that. That would have been cool for the future next year. Um, uh, so I guess this next one would be for Tim. Um, what drew you guys to wanting to be in a small group? So we were looking to connect with other people around the community, connecting with other families and just kind of just get involved and listen and see how their life is with God and kind of where we're at and what we want to do and things like that. All right. So uh, along the same line, so we got an email um, as a governing board a, a while back, and I think it was from Priscilla, and with an interest to, to start a small group. So I guess our question is, what kind of pushed you to want to not just be in a small group, but to, to start one? Um, because I was kind of searching for a group, um, a small group at our church that you can have your family there with you. And I just thought, oh, you know, what, what about us, you know, trying to have a small group with um, having families welcome? And we can do a little de devotional and have a potluck and, and enjoy company. So that's just how we got into it. Awesome. Wonderful. So uh, this one actually, I guess, would be for both of you. So whichever one wants first crack here. But what has been the best part of being in a small group? Because it, it hasn't been going on that long. This is still relatively new, correct? So best part of having a small group. So I think we're going on our third meeting now. Uh, we started in the beginning of this year. We've been going every other week. But uh, best part is... Um, honestly, is learning from other families on how they connect with their children as well. And because um, we're still learning uh, with our children, we have three. And so we're still learning on how to communicate with them and how to bring God into their lives as well. I also was going to say um, for them to see that um, 
like we try to role model having God in our life, but have other families, they see other families doing the same thing. And I just think the more role models for them, the better. All right. So this probably isn't anybody out here, but just in case it is, what would you say to somebody that feels like, man, uh, maybe we should think about doing this, but we're a little scared? Uh, so our first small group we joined was at our old church a long time ago, and we were it was just new to us and we're just like oh what's a small group and so we went and checked it out and we started seeing how uh, you're able to connect with other people like you or get to you know find something that's uh just kind of uh just kind of get involved with the other people that are there um I was nervous because I didn't like meeting new people and I was like, oh, I'm going to kind of see what this is about. And once I got there and realized, you know, the type of people that were there, they weren't out there to say, oh, you don't know nothing about church. You don't know nothing about God. You know, they weren't there. They were just there to talk to us and see how that we were doing and things that we wanted to do. Yeah, what would you say to somebody that's kind of a little bit nervous about taking that next step? Um, I just, I just say, what just um, I feel like you won't know until you try something, and so just kind of putting yourself in that situation. That way, you can, well, at least I tried. <laughs> that's how I, how I felt. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tim and Priscilla, for coming up, for sharing your heart, and just kind of being uh, a snippet for us to be able to put on display and show what what God's doing in your life. So give it up for uh, the Smiths. Um, Thank you, guys. That was awesome. I I would also add that, uh, you know, a small group can look so many different ways. It can be be a a yoga class. It could be golfing. It could be uh, where you come and eat. Uh, It could be sermon questions. So so many different looks. And I would also add that uh, Paul Becker's in the back, if you want to kind of wave that. Yeah, well, that was an interesting wave, Paul. Um, and so Paul and I and Nathan, kind of the three of us together, uh, kind of plan and put together and support. So if you had all interested and you just want to talk to one of the three of us, uh, find one of us after service. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. And thank you, Tim and Priscilla, for your willingness to share with us. I know that takes quite a bit of courage to do that. Um, but you guys, you can kind of see where we're going with this. Generous with time is about being generous. Is about being present, and what better way to be present to people than to be in community with them, right? Just helping them, listening, and offering uh, all kinds of you know maybe goofy things, maybe serious things, maybe whatever encouragement, whatever. But but joining in life with the people around us. So, if anybody is interested in getting connected into a small group, we are going to have an informational meeting. Okay, we're going to join together. We're going to have an informational meeting. I think we're going to have some pizza and all of that. So, um, But we're going to do that. I think we're going to do that on the 15th of March. Okay, so two weeks. No, three weeks from today. Sorry. Three weeks from today, we're going to do that. Okay? And uh, Paul will be there. I will be there. So will uh, Jeff, I, I believe. I, I think. Did I just? That's the plan. Okay. I, I may have just ambushed him. Um, 
I apologize, Jeff. Uh, anyway, so, but we're going we're gonna to get together and we're just going to talk about what it looks like. This, you're not going to be signing up necessarily for anything unless you want to, unless you want you get connected with somebody. But this can be a really good next step in being able to, to connect with some other people and just begin to do some life with them. So I want to encourage you guys. We'll keep announcing it and keep inviting. Uh, and let us know. You can use the Connect card at the bottom of the bulletin. You can use the Connect card, by the way, to sign up for any of the things that we talked about in the announcements um, and, and turn that in. So, um, yeah, you guys, what might happen if we began living out our generosity by sharing our time with others? Imagine. I'm not saying that you're not already doing this, but what if we all did this together? What if we were unified in our effort in doing this? Being generous by being present. What ways might your life be impacted? What impact might you have on the community around you? What if Celebration Center became known as a community that was all in with South Hill, with Puyallup. What if they knew that we were all in through our presence, simply sharing what we've got? What if? Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for your presence with us. Thank you that you have made your dwelling in our midst, that you pitched your tent, that you came and moved into the neighborhood. I pray that you would help us to turn around and to do the same thing in our families, in our workplaces, the places that we play, in our church home here at Celebration Center, in our our wider community. Let us be known as a people who are generous through our, simply through our presence, living your life in the middle of every situation that we encounter, bringing your love, your mercy, your goodness, your grace, your presence to the situations and the people around us, making you known just as you've been made known to us. Help us to do that. Now, maybe you're here and you haven't begun your life as a Christ follower, but you want to get in on this kind of life. I'm going to say a prayer. Just make it yours, okay? Jesus, I want to live your life. I want to know God the way you have made him known. Bring me into you. Bring me into your family. I give you my life. I surrender myself to you. Jesus, for anyone who made that prayer theirs, I ask that you would would give them your presence right now. That they would experience you with them by your spirit. That they would experience your life in them, in their situations. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for your goodness. We look forward to all that you are going to do, that you are going to continue to do in us and all that you are going to do through us. Be with us this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if anybody needs some prayer, come on up. I'd love to pray with you. If you just want to connect,
Come talk to me. I'd love to do that. But thank you for being here. Let's go this week. Let's be generous by being present. We'll see you guys next week.